Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to uh, Behind the Bounce podcast, episode number two. Uh, we successfully survived the debut episode. Uh, we're still on the air somehow, some way. Uh, and we brought in the big guns today. We brought in three-time premiership player, one-time Brown no medalist, and four-time All-Australian, Jason Ackermanis. Acker, how are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Jack. Yeah, you actually, it's a bit like the president, you know, with Brown Lamentless. You're actually just the Brown Lamentless of 2001 or whatever year. So, like the president is, that's the 43rd president. You never actually lose that title. True story. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to back you in on that. And I'm sure it won't be too far until you get a knighthood, to be honest, as well. Well, unless you're, unless you're, uh, <laughs> thank you, that would be nice. Unless you're Joe Watson, who unfortunately lost his Brown most of the time, it's uh, you know it's in good hands. Yes, a, a Sir Acker would be interesting. I can't see the Queen uh, with the way our rules are ever giving any more knighthoods to Australians. But hey, you never know your luck. <laughs> that's that's really disappointing. Uh, we're also joined by co-host Cooper Coops. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Very well, you like, thank you. You like the evil man that just never shows his face, like Mr. Stump yeah, I can't. Stump. So because I show it on the stream, I can't actually show it on both platforms. Otherwise, it glitches out. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, you look uh, very evil there with your you know, skull and, and whatever that is. There's bloody big swords through you. <laughs> looks, like, looks like a lot of my ex-girlfriends wanted to do to me back in the day. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't realise that we uh, had um, full-time comedian Jason Ackermanis on with us as well. Oh. Well, wait, so we wait till I start to wear my three-year-old daughter's uh, tiara. So. Oh, my goodness. This is the kind of stuff we have going on here around the office. <laughs> He's turned it up for us. It's an honour. Just before, um, I guess the first formal question that I did want to ask you is going off your rap sheet, um, as I said, Brownlow medalist, uh, All-Australian. And uh, rap sheet's actually uh, an evil term. That's what you give to the cops, but I presume you mean hi- highlight, yes, highlight, of or highlight of my career, yes. <laughs> uh, we'd be here for hours, as you said. We would. Um, but with the, the list of accolades that you've... Um, have got and achieved and attained throughout your career. If you went back to 1995 and, and uh, looked 18 year old Jason Ackermanis in the mirror, would he believe you that this was the life that you're about to have in the AFL system? That's a great question. I think, uh, to be honest, in some ways, yes, not so much the Brownlow medalist or triple premiership player. I don't think that was ever something that I could definitely see, but I, I really felt like I was going to be able to play. 200 games of AFL football. Uh, I was a good junior Aussie ruler. I wasn't like, uh, I was one of the best in the state. I think a few times I tried to actually retire because it's hard, hard. Aussie rules footy, but I, I kept at it. And, and when I got my opportunity and when I went to to the Bears at that stage, I was still in high school. I mean, growing up in Queensland is not always the easiest pathway because you're not really surrounded by Aussie rules unless you uh, watch the two o'clock game on a Saturday, which I love to do every Saturday. And then I think I think in the end my career is is a probably a tribute to getting the absolute most out of your God given your genetic genes and mm-hmm. and pushing that talent in. I don't think I I could have played longer, uh, but I think the politics of the sport and my own probably uh, attitude towards hierarchy and officialdom uh, would have stopped that. I mean, I retired 11 years ago. That was when I was 33, but I could have kept playing. I mean, I played Masters on the weekend, and you know, I'm still moving good. It's just a bit of a shame. But yeah, everything else is, everything else is, uh, it's probably what I expected. But the Brisbane Bears that became the Lions, 
man, you could never have dreamt in your wildest dreams that we'd be in four straight uh, grand finals. Pretty unlucky not to win four, to be honest, and play and win those three. I was with another teammate this morning, Clark Keating, actually came for lunch, so it's a few hours ago, excuse me, a few hours ago now, but you know, he just did a half Iron Man up in Cairns. I mean, why the fuck would you want him to do that for? But anyway, he's now retiring <laughs> from, from that, but you know. It's just a crazy bond. You could you couldn't ask for. There's always things you want to do better, but I think I think I'd be pretty happy with that. So in some ways a, a slight surprise, but in other ways, uh, the 200 plus games, I ended up playing 325. That really wasn't a surprise. Yeah, you always felt that you had it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I thought I was good enough to play. I never thought 100 was going to be enough. I never thought that that was a career worthy of of uh, saying, oh yeah, I made it. Always thought I'd play 200. So. Yeah, that and I and I distinctly remember that, and that's not being like you know arrogant and yeah, and you know full of yourself. I'm actually just backing myself in that I think I've yeah. got the body to do it, and I think I can. I think that we don't see enough of that these days. You see a lot of people. Um, I'm not sure. I, I retired at the age of, of 15 from from <laughs> AFL, but I feel like when you peaked you, too early, oh, peaked I, too early. I peaked as a four-year-old actor. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but um. What are you saying? You like had three legs, and you know you're the yeah. size of a man. Ah, uh, you don't know the half of it. But I think that you sort of see the current current day system. It sort of chews people up and spits people out really, really quickly with all of the the politics of mid season drafts and um, really tight salary caps. And um, people don't really get, you know, they go in with a little bit of a faded expectation of what the AFL system actually is. But to hear it from somebody like your perspective who knew from day dot that he was going to play at least 200 games. I think that's really, really uh, inspiring in some ways. Yeah, I think, uh, like, certainly early in my career, um, I, I, I had a few hamstring issues, and I was, you know, probably the first four rounds, and I missed the first four rounds at some stay, or, or four rounds in total for the first four years, I think, whether I was dropped, not good enough, uh, not, you know, just hamstring problems or whatever. So you do have that little bit of doubt. But I think from 99 onwards, uh, and it was pretty much that's the year that the Aussie Rules AFL whole fraternity turned into professional because I remember it pretty clearly. It was no point going to work. We worked up till then and it was always like that. Hey, boys, you either you're in or 100% or you're out. Yeah. And that was, uh, thankfully, I was four or five years into my career. So I was, you know, I was starting to hum along. But the change of coaches with Lee Matthews coming at the end of 98, you know, they kind of, it's like the universe, you know, sometimes it just, how crazy it just works for you. The amount of people you run across where you need to see them or something filters into your, your whole ecosystem. You're like, man, I, I need to speak to that guy where you would never even look twice at him in the last yeah. 20 years. So yeah. I think that's, that's the way it is. I think sometimes you do need a bit of luck, but, you know, you still need to work out. There's no other way, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah well, very true. What's the behinds? What do you got for me there, Skull Duggery? <laughs> uh, moving on, so I'll ask you one now. Um, what are you doing with yourself now to keep yourself busy now that you're obviously retired? That's a great question. So just to let you know that to make sense of today, you need to go right back to when I retired 10 years ago. So I did the media yep. three years. So I wrote columns. Was in, I was doing radio and on yep. TV, which was great didn't quite work out for lots of reasons you guys come in and and I was <laughs> heading on a different path so I ended up doing 
going to from Melbourne where I retired, where I played four years at the Bulldogs, and I went to a place called Albury. Yep. Uh, if you're in Albury, close it's quite us. cold. And, yeah, it's close to you guys. And, you know, it's a bit of a shithole this time of year because it's wet, <laughs> hard to play golf. But back then uh, I was doing foreign exchange, so we used to bring in, I used to personally bring in Crown Casino's money into Australia and help them do that. And then that was going well, and a few things happened. My business partner ended up suing the government, so that, that didn't help. And then we got our license shut off. And then I was doing coaching, so senior coaching, which I, I felt like I had to do outside of the spotlight. So it's funny, just today, you know, you would have read Nathan Buckley decided to step down next week. Now, I've always said that's the reason why I never went straight into the AFL. You've got yep. some superstars of the game, Michael Voss, James Hurd, and now Buckley. I mean... In the end, not doing that process and learning your craft and, and being, it takes five or ten years to be a real pro, I think, as a coach, because you've got to learn your own philosophies, you know, and that that takes time. And, and Bucks was the only one of the three that really survived. He ended up nearly winning a grand final. But, of course, since then, it's the wheels have fallen off and Bucks is probably going to be out of the system probably for a little bit now. And I, and I, I that's why I did that full-time coaching I uh, was thought it was part-time while I was working up there. We ended up going into AR, which is augmented reality, and then out of a accident of the universe, created the I was involved in creating the greatest crypto that's ever been invented, which is about to come out called Zoo Coins. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Zu Coins, all one word. It's it's basically Gen two of all the cryptos. Uh, doesn't use blockchain, uses split chain, solves all the problems of speed. Uh, you know, cost and scalability. So uh, we were doing that. And then I moved back home last July and started working Ray White at Ascot. And I'm now out on my own, which is a bit early, but I'm out doing Jason Ackerman's properties, uh, Ascot, well, Blue Moon Ascot. And that's what I've been doing. That's my day job, yep. I suppose. I just came back from doing a one-on-one coaching session because, as I mentioned, I do have a degree in coaching, but I also obviously was expert in kicking and coaching and kicking. And sure enough, pretty much all my clients uh, who want to be good are younger, they need help with the yeah. kicking. So that's what I'm doing today. Oh, that's great. Um, another question, why did you dye your hair blonde? Yeah, that was really easy. That's a great question. But what was happening? So in 1998, yeah. I was watching a replay and there was four redheads in my team. You could look them up. You know two of the other ones. So you had myself, obviously a redhead. You had Michael Voss, who was our captain, triple Premiership captain, Brownlow medal superstar. Justin Leppage, of course, our All-Australian defender, centre back and, you know, wonderful player. And, and a guy called Ben Robbins. And Ben Robbins caused me a great, great grief because he kept getting, his name kept getting called when it was actually not him, it was me. Particularly when Ben Robbins' uh, helmet as his nickname is, he couldn't kick a goal to save himself. And I'm kicking goals and he's getting the credit. And I'm like, man, this is not working. And then in the pre-season of 99, I'm watching a replay on the screen and I see Adam Hughes, because I don't even remember Adam, who played for the Lions, played at Port. Uh, he's in the screen, he's got this bright blonde hair and I'm like, geez, you can see everywhere he goes. And naturally I'm thinking, that's a great idea. That's exactly <laughs> what I need to do. So before yep. the season started in 99, I, I dyed it blonde and I was so petrified that what Lee would say and, <laughs> and how, he would, how he would take it, because, you know, I was always a little bit left to centre anyway, but I'd sort of been on that road before. I'd had like bright pink sort of uh, I suppose wetsuit pants underneath when I played. I had a, a white T-shirt when I played in rep sides. You just stood out. So I was already thinking about trying to stand out for the crowd. Anyway, I dyed my hair blonde and 
and I see Lee, he, he hadn't seen it, so it's literally the week before. And at this stage, I wasn't playing in the ones, which seemed strange, but I sort of got out of the out of the ones in the preseason. Lee and I were, you know, not getting along because he wanted to sack me, and of course, uh, I come back. Uh, well, I went to a training session. I may have been a little bit hungover and drunk, but I was actually quite sick. He tried to sack me in the preseason, so we weren't really on best terms. But then, right before we're about to do a season launch, where we walk out onto the Gabba and all the business people are there who are, you know, the corporates. Yep. And I've got this dyed blonde hair, and, and I see Lee at the corner of my eye, and I'm like, oh, shit. And I see him start walking my way, and I'm literally shitting bricks, and I'm like, oh, just, uh, I have no idea what he's going to say. But to Lee's credit, he stood right next to me, and he looked over, and he said, okay, your hair looks terrific. Looks just like mine. <laughs> just, just looks just like mine. And he had, remember, he used to dye his hair, which was, it looked horrible and he used to dye it sort of dark but he, of course it was going grey and so he was he was wrapped that my hair matched his because he'd finally given up and now he had blonde hair uh, sorry grey hair so the blonde kind of started that way but it's really because quite simply they kept getting my name wrong which I hated because you want recognition when you're playing good footy Absolutely. and the redhead the redhead thing just wasn't working <laughs> that's probably the greatest story I've ever heard and um, for all those good. who have not heard it before that is why Jason Akamanis dyed his hair blonde. That is yeah. amazing. On to, uh, it worked. Next... It worked all right. <laughs> oh, absolutely it did. I mean, all of your highlights are with the, with the blonde hair. Stand out. <laughs> Definitely. Um, There's a couple with the natural hair, but, yeah, they're a bit early on. They'd be either 95, 96, 97, or 98. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just don't look at any of those highlights because they're not worth watching. <laughs> well, they, they got are, his name they're... wrong. Yeah, they were, they were good highlights. They, they actually oh. got my name right when I kicked a good goal, let me tell you. Because <laughs> well, Ben Roberts probably wasn't playing at that stage. But, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you can't see what uh, what T-shirt I'm wearing. But uh, anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, so I... <laughs> Collingwood. I, I was going to say, I bet you're wearing a Collingwood shirt. <laughs> That's Cooper all right. We, we, uh, hey, look, we've all got fucking problems. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a, that's a big one for uh, for Coops. Um, Aka, Coops and I are both, are both young. Um, I, I'm only 19. He's uh, 17. So... We both don't really, um, we weren't around in the times that you were tearing it up in uh, Queensland. When you moved... Early 2000s, yes. Yeah, so that's before my time and and Coops's as well. Um, Did leaving the Lions at the end of 06 rejuvenate your career? It was quite a quick trade. Um, I was reading up on it yesterday. It was done quite quickly um, at the end of the 2006 season. Was that the right move for you, do you think? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think in hindsight, if I wasn't so focused on getting money, as in a good deal, because I, I was getting paid great, but, you know, at the end of your career, you tend to you get a bit more rewarded for your effort, where when you're in your prime and actually playing well, they, they tend to just wait for, like, three or four years to pay well, and by then you're, you're getting late 20s. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, I had a, me and Lee were having problems, and, you know, it was really just me and Lee. I just literally it was like a divorce, and Lee kept coaching, and I said, no, no, you know, you better trade me, I think. And so when they're the Bulldogs, the, the reality was I had a good deal with the Bulldogs, which was three years. It was a 450 grand a year, which in today's money is not really not that much. But back then it was pretty good. And then the Essendon Footy Club, who were the other ones really in the hunt. And, and remember, I'm at 30 at this stage, or turning 30. Uh, some would say a little bit of baggage. You had to have the right combination. So Kevin Sheedy was their coach. He would have been able to handle me, no problem. Rodney Ed was the Bulldogs coach. Now, Rodney... 
Rodney's a lot of things. He's a great tactician and and all these things. And, and he, he thought he could handle me, which in the, he pretty much did. But the three-year deal versus the two-year deal, and Essendon's deal was only for four hundred grand a year. Now, fifty grand is fifty grand. So, but two to three, you know, they yeah. Essendon were like, "We'll make it up to you. We'll do this. We'll do that." Uh, but I couldn't see that happening, and I was concerned they're going to sack Kevin Sheedy, which they ended up doing the next year. So yeah. I was—I had to back my instincts. The only other club that would have been good to go for the CV, but certainly not for the money, would have been Geelong. Yeah. Geelong were interested; they certainly could afford me, but at a much reduced rate. And you know, I suppose when you—I wanted to be in Melbourne. Geelong's a bit of a smaller town; it's certainly very much Geelong down there. So it didn't feel right. So when I look back, I absolutely, with 100% accuracy, I would just, yeah, would it was the right decision. What would have been great is would have been able to be good to finish at the Bulldogs in 2009 and go back to the Lions and finish up here. Yeah. That would have been good. And some, they do it these days, but it was just such a mess. Yeah. And I think Vossi took over coaching and, you know, and the way free trade was back then is pretty, pretty hard to do. So yeah. it would have been great, like Eddie Betts has done now, and you see Gary Ablett did it back to your home club and you know finish your career off there that would have been the only thing that would have made that whole deal just a little bit sweeter yeah do you think that that doggies team was unlucky not to win a premiership oh shit yeah i mean the play we played in three prelims i mean they yeah we had one i remember the game we got beaten by st kilda it was actually touched jared harborough touched a uh, a, uh i was gonna say a revolt goal i was gonna say rashido but uh and Rui's goal was touched had you had the technology you have now yeah, of course. It would have been a point. It would have been in grand final. Yeah. It was pretty simple. So that's how close it can be. And it's a bit unlucky. I think I got done for like a uh, – I kicked the ball four. We had no one there. So I kicked it out towards the boundary. Ended up dribbling over and I got done for delivery. They went down and scored that, that goal that was touched. So, you know, you're not far off. So absolutely, we had the team. Uh, Barry Hall came in 2010. So we finally had a big forward because apparently we needed one. And the boys made a prelim final. But unfortunately, they fucking – because they're shitheads, they, they sacked me in July. So I wasn't able to complete that deal. But that was yeah, a bit unlucky. But certainly yeah. know, had a great team. And that's what I thought. And they were a good team. Yeah. And I guess the third part of that um, question as well is, do you think that that's one of the greatest uh, periods of football that we've ever seen? Like there were genuinely six teams between 2008 and 2011 that could have said that they could have won the flag in between then. And I don't think we've seen that since. Do you think that that was probably the most watchable time of, of footy, uh, especially in recent times? Well, I never had anyone put it like that, but now that you, you mention it, there was a, a big bunch of teams that were probably unlucky not to win any any given year. I think even in our era, it's pretty much only two, three, four teams when you look back that were genuine, like heavyweights. Who, yeah. You know, you had Port Adelaide in our era, which of course was great year to year, couldn't quite get it done. Until 2004, I think they were minor premiers, and most of those years we were winning. Essendon were just fading. You had the Sydney teams who came after us, and then of course West Coast, who are on every fucking drug known to man. So don't worry about that. And so you've got you've got those teams sort of sitting around there. Collingwood, of course, were wonderful in that period. So we had a lot of rivalries, and it was it's hard to sort of know. But I have no doubt that the Lions team in that era was uh, for lots of reasons. Not just because we won, but because I think we had another gear to go when we got to finals, where I didn't think the others did in that era. But in that little period there, 2008 to 2011 to 12, it, it, it was just a game of skill and luck and a bit of chance here and there, and you could have easily gone either way. 
Definitely. Yeah, well, there, there definitely were. Well, Hawthorne obviously won in, in 08. Um, but then you had Geelong, Collingwood, St Kilda, the Western Bulldogs, and then Sydney towards the end that all um, could have had um, stakes in that in that claim. It's just amazing to think that, um, you know, one kick or one, one touch behind or goal in, in your sense could have been the difference between a completely different story being written. Yeah, you look back even in the 2002 uh, grand final, Rockers goal, which many say went through. I, I, I was on the wrong side of the ground, but, you know, didn't go through. I mean, had it gone through well, I would have kicked the winning goal. We would have won by three points instead of nine. But yeah. in the end, it's all who knows. It's a lot of if, yeah. buts, and maybes. And unfortunately, Lee would always be pretty pragmatic about that. He said, "Look, had we we would have won the first one." He said, "Had we lost that 2002 one, they would have said we're too old, we're too slow, and, and canned yeah. the crap out of us." Yet the reality was, we won that, and then came back on the third year. It wasn't the easiest road, but we got there and then had a great win against Geelong, uh, Collingwood on the day. And even pretty much the system railroaded against us in 2004. Uh, we were a bit fortunate to get there, but yet could have easily, with the proper rules in place, be playing a prelim final at home and then going to a grand final in a much fresher state, which would have meant that the game would have been a better game. But that was the AFL at the time, and you just saw during the week, you know, Andrew Demetrio and guys like that who were the leadership who were just complete frauds who yeah. who knew that they are were talking about how they just did not want the West Coast Eagles drug issue they didn't want to see it, they didn't want to know about it they manipulated the system and it's, it's typical, typical power and leadership and when you're trying to protect the brand and that's why guys like Andrew Demetrio have been exposed many times over not just in the AFL but in business and and he's, he's, he's checkered past. So, you know, I've got nothing nice to say about him because in the end, he, he, he orchestrated our our uh, ability to actually win a fourth all because the Melbourne Mafia had a bit of a silk and said, oh, we can't have four in a row. Like, stick it up your ass. Are you serious? You've got to earn that shit. So that was, that's the reality, the reality of the world. Absolutely. Uh, no fairy tales in sport, I figured. Now, we've picked it's out a, a couple of tales. <laughs> We've picked out a couple of questions from the viewers that have come through during the week. Um, so the first one, we've got a question from Bailey. Who was your favourite player to play with and against? I've got this question a million times. Good question. <laughs> uh, so the easy, the best player I played with was Michael Voss. But I, I mean, I love. I was so lucky I played with Hall of Famers across every line. You look at the Hall of Fame list now, pretty much half the team. Uh, yeah. And the best player against Brian Kerry was the best player I played against, no doubt, because in that era he was he just commanded that dominance. He had a whole offense rotating around him, yeah. a bit like Lynchy. Really, Lynchy was a wonderful player as well. I think Kuda Fittis was the other one. Unfortunately for Kuda, he was just oh, he was on fire. Two thousand, two thousand one, he got injured when when Jason Johnson went back and and need him in the net. Oh, I sort of put his foot up and got him in the knee, and that was the end of Kuda. Really, the the dominance of Kuda. Such a shame because he was he was going to be the equal of Wayne Carey in my opinion, but unfortunately didn't do it over the years. So Wayne Carey always sort of wins that debate. Yeah, another one. Who was the worst player you played on? I think you might have just touched on that. No, you didn't. Uh, no, the worst player I played on uh, is probably a guy called Stephen Baker. Yeah, he's not a, he's like he's a great fellow off the field. Don't get me wrong, but you know on the field he's just complete. Asshole, you know, he just yeah. did everything he could. He'd, he'd punch in the back, in the back of the elbow. He'd stand on your feet, and I played him all the time. He wasn't really that rough until I think their coach changed. Once, once, uh, once, once, line came along, 
you know, man, Ross Lyon, he just turned into the, a dirty, scrounging, you know, win at all cost kind of guy. And, yeah. You know, he took some big names down, but he also broke the rule every time he did it. He, I mean, he didn't just bend him, he broke the rules. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of good success, and he didn't really have a, an, a, a game where, because he's just not that type of athlete, he couldn't really get up the field and, and hurt you. But just the play on, like, he's just a thug, <laughs> and he knows he's a thug. <laughs> And he knew that that was his only only way to stop you. He didn't have the athletic ability to go and win the ball, win the game, but he, he could certainly stop you from yeah. getting there. Yeah. Um, last question from the viewers from Cam. Why did you do a handstand after every win? Yeah, so what happened there in, in 99, I'm watching Ronnie Burns. Yeah. And Ronnie Burns played for Geelong, number eight, left footer. One of the brothers, I played with Ronnie when we played in the 96 team. I think it was the Allies team versus Victoria up here at the Gabba. Yeah. And Ronnie and I knew each other. I saw the week before, Ronnie won the game, kicked a good goal, did a cartwheel. Yeah. And the next game they came up and Ronnie said, brother, you won't get a kick on me. And at the end of the game, brother, you won't have a job, but I will. And after I had about 30 touches and two goals, I was waving Ronnie off. I'm like, hey, good game, Ronnie. <laughs> and one of my teammates, Justin Lepage, he goes, why don't you do one of those cartwheel things, Akka? So I went over and I did this bloody cartwheel. But I tell the story of the time, the next week, we, we played at home again, hot day, really fatigued. We won, I had three votes, and I'm going around to thank the crowd and, and let me go, do one of those cartwheels. So I ended up getting so fatigued, I ended up doing a stupid handstand. <laughs> and pretty much from there, every time we played at home, every time we win, you got to go to different areas to get bloody hate mail from other members. <laughs> if I didn't go to the right ends to do a handstand, and then I could leave the stadium. That was, that's yeah. how that started, so... That's insane. It's a crazy story. Crazy story. But something you remembered for, so I guess it, it all worked out for the uh, the best, didn't it? Yeah, um, uh, I did do a SARS and marketing degree, and what I learned is how to stand out from the crowd. I didn't use it for anything else other than football, but, you know, I think it worked all right. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, obviously, cor absolutely correct. And it looks like you sort of uh, studied that degree with when you dyed your hair blonde as well, you wanted to stand out from the crowd. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone's like this and you've just got to be like that. You've just got to be that little point of difference. Do you think that the Brisbane Lions team of 01, 02, 03 uh, beats uh, the Hawthorne three-peat team and this current Richmond team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Craig McRae, who coaches, uh, who coached in Richmond the last few years, said, mate, they wouldn't have got within 10 goals of us. Uh, and you know, he's a guy who coached in one and played in another. And it's a hard one because in the end, the biggest difference between the Lions teams is there's no free agency that, like there is now. So we could have easily just topped up who we needed as we went through. We could have lasted another couple of years, believe it or not. Yeah. And then you've got the, the second thing is we travelled every second week. You know, travelling, travelling's hard. When you're in Melbourne, you can go and play in the same stadiums yeah. you know, for most of the year, playing the two stadiums. And, and when you travel, it's kind of really cool. But for us... Travelling was, you know, it's a big job. Brisbane to Melbourne's two hours. Yeah. You know, you're only playing Sydney once a year, that's an hour. You know, WA and South Australia are a long way away. So for us, I think, uh, you know, when you can... And the other thing too is it's like saying... It's like saying Jimi Hendrix, who was the original guitarist, and now you can go and sing his songs and, and you could do something similar. Don't get me wrong, it's not easy to win three flags, but you're doing what has already been done. It's like... Yeah. You, we beat Adelaide, who were the originals. The Lions then came and stepped it up and four straight flags. And the system helps teams now actually yeah, sort of yeah. stay on top. And then, you know, Geelong were wonderful. 
Hawthorne are wonderful, but if we had to go one-on-one in the prime, I think we win. But Lee Matthews, yeah. he reckons his Hawthorne teams were better. I'm like, I don't know what planet you're on, Lee, but that was the VFL and all those boys are on testosterone and drugs and stuff. But hey, whatever, <laughs> man, whatever. They wouldn't even have got on the park, let alone... They wouldn't, have got, they wouldn't have got past the drug tests, as I tell you. It would look like the bloody Chinese <laughs> swimmers for a while there, fitting <laughs> Oh, that's insane. Have you got any more questions for the uh, the great man, Coops? Because he sort of answered all mine. I'm out of questions as well. <laughs> oh, actually, I've got one more for you, Aka. Mm-hmm. Were you robbed of the Norm Smith medal? Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, the guy that beat me had a... I don't think he even came second to voting. Clark Keating did, who I was with today, as I mentioned. Uh, I think to have five goals, two in a grand final, I did kick a few goals later in the game, which kind of can argue well, you know. It's a bit of junk time, but uh, it's pretty unlucky to kick five goals or two from a half-forward flank and, and not actually poll first or second in, in the in the Norm Smith voting. But Blackie, I think, set the record for 37 or 38 touches for the day, but I actually didn't notice him. Just staggering, he kicked one goal. I noticed when he kicked the goal, but I didn't notice the other 36 touches. So, yeah, it's He still holds days. that record too. Um, does he? Yeah, he does. He's so maybe there's a little bit of um, method in that madness. Oh, he's a super bloke. I mean, he doesn't live too far from me, and I see him and Crackers. Him and Crackers, so Clark Keating and, and Blackie married both Catherines, whose mums were best friends, who were born a week apart and live around the corner and are still best mates. So it's <laughs> so the craziest small world ever. And they both have, like, three kids between them, so six kids. Yeah. Uh, mad. So he's, he's just a great fellow, Blackie. But yet most unassuming... Most decorated player of the game, really. Blackie. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't even know if he walked past you. Yeah, it actually seems to be a little bit like that with all of those star midfielders. Lenny Hayes comes to my mind as well with um, somebody like that. He was just a smooth operator, just got in and, and got his work done. Mm. Wasn't in it for accolades, just played the game that he loved. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we sort of only really care about the team stuff. That's what really matters. But, you know, if you get a couple of individual awards along the way, any, any player that's like, oh, that doesn't matter or... You know, bloody pig's ass. Don't <laughs> you get uh, you get a, a best and fairest or, a, you know, some individual accolade because of the work you've done. You'll, you'll appreciate that because it means you're appreciated for what you did. Yeah. yeah. I don't know whether they'd be that upset with that, but anyway. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't turn down a brown, though. No, you won't turn around one of them. I've actually, this one here, I'll just show you, boys. <laughs> is, so when you win the brown loan, when, when you win the brown loan, you get the brown loan medal. Yep. Mm-hmm. You get that engraved. But... They only ever make one of these. So every Brownlow medalist, if you go to Blackie's house, he's got a one that looks completely different to this. But if you can, you just pan. See this? Uh, see that there on the wall? Oh yeah. Yep. So that that there is the only one that will ever be made, and it yeah. just says basically the AFL says you know you're a Brownlow medalist and it's made to you and it's got like a little caricature of you in there. Yeah. And it comes with a little, little blurb and then that's it. So that's you want to talk about rare. Man, that's that's like finding, I don't know, <laughs> bloody gold, gold wrapped in plutonium, on a on a on a spaceship. It's just crazy. You couldn't, yeah. You could never get another one of them. So there you go. That'll get show you how special that one is. Yeah, you're the only person in the world that'll ever have one of them. So um, yeah, that's I don't know I'm going to give that to you. I've got three daughters. <laughs> I could, I, if they don't want it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll stay somewhere. Put it in a museum or something. Oh. Along with all my, you know, just cried 
cryogenically froze freeze me just near it. I think it'd come out. And, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah. How freaky I mean, would that be? That would be really freaky. Um, but look, thank you for your time, Akra. I don't think I've got any more questions. Do you have any more questions for oh, you? Oh, I'll throw one in. Um, do you right. do you still have all your all your medals and stuff? Or yes. Yep. Yes, they're uh, they're not far. I don't know where I put them. There's a few over here, but most <laughs> of the the premierships and stuff are in a safe. Yeah. So absolutely. And uh, I've got a few rare things floating around. <laughs> and I've got. Uh, I mean, I only kept the special stuff, but I've actually got. I hope you could see this. I'll, I'll show you before you go. But this this was actually uh, there's a couple of funny things up here, which will make you laugh. <laughs> you've got you've got here, as you can see, these are my bubble doubles. You've got uh, the first very shit looks like Lukey Power. The second that at least had blonde hair, and then the third who actually has a has a goatee. <laughs> that's all right. But these are that you get your Premiership cups. You can see those there. There's those three. But this here, have a look at this. So this is. You see that that is the actual the night I won that was on my table and I kept that from the Brownlow. So that was twenty years ago this year. So that Jeez, there that's, you amazing. Go. that's amazing. I don't think you wanna don't think you wanna <laughs> open that. You may get pissed but you could be in hospital for a week. <laughs> that's, that's, a bit, that's that's a good story as well to come from, from that hospital visit. And then uh, yes it is and this one here is the only it's the only one I kept, so that's from the two thousand and one premiership uh, year. You've got Big character, you can see Michael Voss in the middle with the reflection there. Yeah. And all the players, every single player has either signed it and they're also in that character. So wow, that's go. amazing. It's pretty cool. That is. And then you've got, you know, other things that aren't that important, like uh, my wife's degrees you know, <laughs> from university, you know, masters in whatever, yeah, whatever, that'd be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> makes you way more money, though, I tell you, it makes me way more money. Especially. Especially now, uh, because as we spoke about before, contracts weren't weren't huge. You know, somebody like you who was who came to Victoria on four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, you know, Jai Caldwell's. On. Dynamics. Um, in the end, you can't take it with you, and, and I wouldn't swap any of it for the world because you know, if you in that era, if you if you save and do buy property or, or invest well, you, you could be wealthy anyway. So it's not really yeah. like. Jeez, how did that all go wrong? Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy times, boys. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight, Acker. It's been an absolute honour to talk to somebody who uh, you and I, we have three premierships between us. So it's, mm, that's right. It's, uh, it's amazing to, to talk to a former... Where's this former... highlight reel? You're going to throw it up, are you, at the end? No, <laughs> yeah. it'll, it'll, it'll come up at the end. But, I mean, as you said before, we don't have all night. No, we um, don't. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, Akko. It's, it's been an honour and I'm sure, uh, I hope that everybody else has enjoyed it. So thank you so much. No problem, boys. Good luck with your future career in podcasting and uh, video blogging and the rest of it. And I look forward to the next time I see you. But uh, always happy to help. And I'm glad you guys weren't born because uh, fair income you will remember just how bloody huge I was. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Akko. forget it after this. No worries, boys. Appreciate it. It's all right, anytime. We'll see you next time. Perfect. See thank you, mate. You.